This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. It's fall, it's football season, and holidays are right around the bend. That doesn't mean that the grilling and smoking stops. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could want. Make the Kansas City Barbecue Store your one-stop shop for all your outdoor cooking needs. As a listener of the Old Virginia Smoke Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order this fall by using the code PITPOD, P-I-T-P-O-D, for online orders at www.thekansascitybbqstore.com. So keep on smoking, folks. Welcome to another edition of Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. My name is Luke Darnell, Pitmaster of Old Virginia Smoke and host of this show. And we have a very cool episode for you this week. And also, I'll go ahead and just briefly apologize for some audio because we are on the road. And this is early in the morning and people are sleeping. So I'm being forced to record in a garage, talking into a plant. <laughs> so <laughs> with that being said, um, it's my honor to introduce all of you to the producer and one of my best friends, Christopher Sedenka. Chris is a radio DJ out of Portland, Maine. Um, he's been a sports broadcaster for most of his career, but now he spins some classic rock and does a fantastic job. I listen to the show regularly down here in Virginia, and he is going to conduct the Pitmaster interview with me. So thanks. How are you this morning, bud? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the kind introduction. Um, this is exciting. I feel like we've all been waiting to hear you answer these questions that you've been peppering at people for a few years now. Well, it's funny because this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you, not only in your technical ability, but also you pushing me to do this. And well, sure. to, think, yeah. to, to think that we've made it, I asked you the other day, I said, Man, can you believe that we've gotten to a hundred episodes and you were like, it doesn't feel like it's been a hundred episodes. And I'm like, man, you're kind of right. It doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's interesting, you know, how it's gone and how quickly time obviously goes by. But yeah, I feel like you just got in a groove and, and not only that, but a huge thank you to everyone who's come on and, and has taken, you know, who has allowed you to kind of take some time away from their busy schedule to, to get their, their techniques and, and certainly to have so many people sharing a lot of stuff that maybe they never have before. It's, it's pretty cool. Great community, man. Yeah. You know, the number one thing that people talk about, I asked the question, what's the most important thing for you to come out of barbecue? And everybody always says the people. And that's, it's a fantastic answer because it's extremely accurate. You know, I started this whole barbecue journey and we didn't really know anybody. And now I have friends literally around the world. And I woke up this morning with a message from New Zealand and <laughs> a guy that's coming over here to cook in the spring. And <clears throat> what's up, man? 
and I will, you know, I'm trying to help him out with the getting product and stuff. And it's just cool to know, like, that I can literally go pretty, pretty much anywhere in the world. And I'm going to find barbecue people that I know and that, or that are fans of the show. Um, and that's spectacular to me. How much of that, how much of this world has changed over the last 20 years or so, or however long you've been in it? This will be coming up in 2023. It'll be our 11th year. Oh, okay. Yeah. It does feel like 20 sometimes because it is a lot <laughs> of work. <laughs> a lot of things have changed, man. A lot of people have come and gone. Uh, people have left and people have come back. Uh, people have passed away. And it's been kind of a, a 10 year roller coaster ride, really. And, but there's people that have been around that whole time and people who are in this for the long haul. And we always said that we would be. This is something that Kim and I do and spend time together. And then we get to travel the country and meet different people, see different things. <clears throat> there are so many things in this country that I would never have seen or been to had it not been for barbecue and so many people that I've met and opportunities and uh, you know one of the coolest things that that's ever happened to me was cooking the the big 12 big Q event in Kansas City for the big 12 basketball tournament and seeing uh, the voice of the Mountaineers Tony Caridi on the street and realizing that somebody I've been listening to my whole life in terms of WVU sports. Now, granted, I did reach out on the street that day and called him by the wrong name and I said, hey, Hoppy. <laughs> and he, he thought that was hilarious because I thought he was the other person who does WVU sports. But that's a relationship I've had now for seven years and gotten to cook for him and cook for his friends. And we're doing an event here in the beginning of January. And it's just opened a lot of doors and barbecue has done that for us. And I guess back to your original thing, the people have changed, but they haven't changed that much. There's a lot of other things that have changed in barbecue. Their contests have died off because of COVID. The judging changes from year to year. You have to be able to adapt and some people aren't built for that. We luckily are. So it's been, been a fun ride. Yeah. You mentioned COVID and, and you know what we're what essentially two plus years away from when everything shut down you've had two <clears throat> well now three summers if you think about it from 2021 and 22 i should say where does barbecue stand essentially three summers out now of COVID? through our 10 years we've seen the barbecue goes through peaks and valleys just like everything does we yeah. started in the beginning, we barbecue was at a giant peak. Barbecue pitmasters had come out and everybody was wanting to get into it. Everybody was coming out to watch contests, even though there's not much to see. And now we're in a valley. Uh, COVID, number one, took away a lot of contests. You know, nobody was allowed to have events. Nobody was allowed to do anything. So a lot of contests went away. People didn't have barbecue contests. And then they realized, oh, look, we don't have to have this, do this contest to be successful in what we're doing, or they're just not successful and they went away. So contests have went away. People found other things to do. 
during COVID. They were forced to spend time with their families and friends, uh, close friends and whatever. And so they found that barbecue wasn't necessary in their life for whatever reason. Or they took up a different hobby because you could do that hobby during COVID. We were very fortunate in, well, let me rephrase that. We had started our barbecue business in January of 2022, or, 20, or January of 2000, or 2020, Jesus. January of, 20, <laughs> January of 2020, you know, three months before COVID. And so we really had to focus on that in the beginning. But also, we just found opportunities to go and cook contests that somehow found a way to still happen. We were very fortunate to get invited to go cook a bar- barbecue pay-per-view event of all things. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of Ohio, which was, it ended up being kind of a buff and none of the teams really got much out of it. There was a lot of problems with the production, but still eternally grateful for it because we got to go see our barbecue friends and cook, cook a contest in the middle of nowhere. And, that just kept pushing us. And now I, I think you're starting to see barbecue. I think the dip might be on its on its way out. And barbecue might be on the rise again. There's been some changes with the Kansas City Barbecue Society, most notably uh, my good friend Rod Gray taking over as the CEO. He's a cook. I think he's going to have a lot of great things to do and a lot of great things to say about competition barbecue and really try and grow, grow the hobby. I think you're seeing barbecue coming back on television again. Michael Simon's doing a great job with barbecue USA. You got the American barbecue show down on Netflix, barbecue brawl on food network. There's just barbecue is moving back into the forefront on the food entertainment scene. And that's that's generally a good sign, and it's also a good indicator that people are going to start getting involved again. So, with that being said, we're always looking for new people to come out and cook and learn new things and keep the hobby going. Well, that's kind of the direction I want to take this in now, and that's getting more people involved. And it's a, you know, you you ask a lot of questions to a lot of pitmasters this year about all kinds of different things from rituals to hobbies. And I'm sure we'll get to all of this kind of stuff, but let's start with kind of another question. You said, what advice would you give to young pit masters? How do you, how do you make sure a pit master doesn't come in and, you know, or backyard guy try once or twice and get completely alienated from the, the entire situation? How do you make sure that doesn't happen and to keep them, keep them motivated? Barbecue, uh, we, you asked an original question about how has barbecue changed? <clears throat> and the biggest change has been the availability of information. When we started, you had to hunt through message boards and different sites and everything to try and figure out trends and figure out ingredients and tricks. And then you could, if you were lucky, you could go take a barbecue class. And I was lucky that I found out that these things existed pretty early on. Now, 10 years later, you have the Barbecue League, which has videos <clears throat> for basically every 
category. You can go see what world champions are doing. We have a video up there with chicken. There's a bunch of different videos for every meet. So your learning curve is dramatically changed from when we started. The best way that we could do it at the time was to make friends with people, go sit around a campfire, shut the fuck up and listen and pay attention to what's going on. And you would be surprised the little nuggets that you could take away from people talking with with their peers and sharing information. And then you're just on the sideline sitting there smiling, playing the guitar to having a bourbon drink, but writing everything down in your brain that you're hearing to help you. Now, it's also, it creates a trap, a trap because you're at a contest, you hear this, you're like, oh, I want to try that. You don't ever try something like that in a contest. You got to practice. That's the other key. Number one is getting the information. There's so much information out there available. There's so many classes available now. Absolutely do that before you jump into the competition world. We had a, we had a competition class a couple of weeks ago. We had four people who had never cooked a contest before. And that was encouraging. And then the other thing is practice. After my first class that I took in 2013, I practiced every weekend for three months in the winter because I wanted to learn how my pits would do with those recipes. And I wanted to, I wanted to be great at this and, and it just takes that kind of work and that kind of effort. Are there stories of people out there going and watching a video and winning a contest? Yeah, but that's not the rule and that's not the standard. It takes a lot of work and a lot of practice and to cook something perfect. You got to cook it a million times and get after it. You mentioned the you mentioned the campfires and the stories and the advice. What is the best advice you ever received at a campfire? <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. Probably the best advice I I received at a campfire was that exact advice. Somebody pulled me aside and said, "Just pay attention and listen and be nice and shut up." And you'll learn more from this <laughs> night than you will. That's literally happened. That happened at our first contest for Virginia Smoke. Uh, somebody pulled me aside and said, I don't know you, but you're surrounded by 10 of the best cooks in the area. And, you know, just listen and you'll pick up a lot. They knew it was our first contest. So. And all those people are still lifelong friends. Jerry Dyer, Spoken Misfits, Mike Richter from Chicks, Wine, and Bovine, Mike Palmer from New Revolution Q. You know, they're family now. And we learned so much from them in the beginning. That's probably the best piece of advice I ever got about a campfire at a campfire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're like the most uh, gregarious and fun and loving person that's ever going to be at one of these sites. So what if you're like, what if you're the introvert who just is really trying to do something? Maybe you don't talk as much to other folks. Is there still a community and a warming, you know, kind of situation for, for maybe folks with a, a different type of personality? <laughs> Absolutely. It's once you're in the community, you're in the community and how you engage with it, that's on your own terms. There's lots of people in the community that, 
they love to keep to themselves and they don't talk a lot and they just want to stay in their zone and do their thing. And I'll even reference a couple of them because they've become really good friends of mine. Now, part of this goes back to what you said about me and my personality. And Kim, <laughs> Kim, Kim calls it my superpower, but uh, two of my, three of my best friends are, they kind of keep to themselves. And, you know, John from, John and Stephanie from Chunky, we were cooking with them. Nobody really knew them. They kept kicking the shit out of us. And I told Kim in a contest in Kirk, North Carolina, I'm going to make them my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And the other two are, uh, are Danny and James from Top Gun. Uh, they are, they're always on a very tight schedule and can't come early or stay late because of family and jobs and, but I've really made it a point to spend time with them because they're great people and they're they're entertaining. They have a ton of knowledge. They're a lot of fun to be around and they're just salt of the earth, all four of them. And there's a place for everybody in barbecue. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, barbecue family is great. And <clears throat> my friend Melissa Cookson, I made that comment to her the first time we met her. And she said, you might want to revise that. 90% of the barbecue family is great. There's a 10%. That, and I feel like it's that way with any any hobby. That's and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's because I'm getting older and I'm a touch of a curmudgeon. And I find myself more and more being like, Jesus, man, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and Kim tells me all the time, like, you're turning into kind of an old person asshole sometimes. So I'm, try <laughs> I'm trying to work on that a little bit. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask the question now. Oh, sounds like you ready. Something, sounds like you've had something pent up. No, 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 not at all. We've all been waiting for this. What habits, <laughs> rituals, routines have you established for yourself during the competitions? I'll say, I know a few of them. I've witnessed a few of them. <laughs> Yeah, it, that's true. Uh, you've cooked with me how many times now? Three? Three, I think. Oh, two har um, two harpoons and the other one. At least three. One. At least three. Two, har two harpoons and uh, two main ones and a rock, uh, a Rochester one. That's right. I forgot about yeah. the Rochester one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of shit, man. Um <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first thing to start with would be the red flag. You know those when you see like a tractor trailer going down the street or going down the highway and they have the red like flags hanging off the back or off the sides to yeah. indicate where. Yeah. So our second contest ever, we we were we cooked in Winchester, Virginia. We had done well in our first one. We didn't get any calls. Calls are top tens, but we felt encouraged. So we went to Winchester and we cooked and I might've been a little bit overconfident and we ended up getting the shit kicked out of us. So I kind of have had, and we were cooking out of the back of a pickup at that time. So I haphazardly put everything back into the pickup. I didn't think I needed to strap down the lids of my Weber Smoky Mountains because it wasn't a long drive. And we're driving down the highway and I'm pissed off and it's raining and it's windy. And I look back and I see one of the lids of my cookers fly off on the interstate. Oof. 
And I'm like, oh my God. So I pull over. Thank God nobody got hurt. And I trudge back up the highway to get this thing out of the median. Now it's <laughs> pouring. It's absolutely pouring rain. I'm so, I'm putting myself in danger for this lid of this cooker. It's so stupid. And I end up getting back to the truck, getting the lid on, bending it, putting it back on, strapping it down. And then I'm stripping off all these wet clothes right on the side of the highway. Barbecue teams are driving by, honking. And so I look in the ditch and there's this one of those red flags. And I went and picked it up and Kim goes, what are you doing? I was like, I'm taking this flag as a reminder to always make sure your shit is strapped down. So that flag gets put out of the back of our trailer and has been with us for every contest since. That's one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number two, let's see. Clothing is a huge deal. I have to have my blue bandana, navy blue bandanas uh, that I wear around my head, either pirate style or just as like a, a headband. I have to have my red, white, and blue blues hog wristbands. Uh, those serve actually a purpose. They protect my wrist when I'm going into the drum or to the jambo uh, from burning myself, which I've done a few times. I always generally have on a pair of WVU basketball shorts when I cook. Mm-hmm. And that's just because that's that's my clothing of choice to represent my school and my state. And I don't have any West Virginia shirts. All I have is West Virginia pants, which is really strange. And then we can underwear. Underwear is a big deal. I have over 110 pair of MeUndies underwear. <laughs> it's a su- subscription service, and I just love them. They're life-changing. If you've never worn them, there's no sweating. There's no... You know, you don't create a rice cooker situation down there. And they're just amazing. And they have really fun prints. So I have six pairs that can be worn at competition. All six of one. Let's see if I can remember them. Okay. There's the Fruit Loops, which is uh, one of my nicknames for Kim is uh, Loop Loop, which is short for Guadalupe. It makes no sense whatsoever. But if I wear my Fruit Loops, that's because I'm thinking about Kim. There's ones with bananas that uh, one of our favorite, one of Kim's favorite movie lines is from, uh, oh my gosh, what's the British spy movie that that came out with Taron Egerton? Oh, uh, The Kingsman? The Kingsman, where his fiancée is, uh, she gets, I think it's maybe the second one, I don't know. Yeah, because he's engaged to the to the princess. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. She's like really stoned one night. And she goes, "Are you the banana man?" <laughs> so <laughs> the bananas, the bananas get worn all the time. Uh, <laughs> I won the West Virginia Con- West Virginia Mor- the Morgantown contest wearing my Sagittarius uh, star sign underwear. So those are lucky. And then there's the pink donuts. The pink donuts. Rarely, they're the oldest pair that I have, and I wore those when I won the 2016 World Food Championships. So, and they're getting a little, little getting a little haggard. worn. 
I don't wear them very often, only if it's something, if I feel like I really need that extra push. And then, of course, there's the uh, the slots doing yoga, which is my my Sunday contest underwear. They're extremely lucky. We won chicken with those at the American Royal. My friend Darren also wears his yoga slots on big contests on Sundays. And, uh, you know, the yoga slots are very important. So there's those. (laughs) There is. (laughs) I'm going to keep going, man. I'm going to let it all out. I'm just going to let it go. All right. There's a keychain in our that hangs on our key rack in the trailer that my friend Jenny Mitchell gave us, which is a pair of, it's like a soft plushy thing, but they're later hosen. Yep. And if you push the crotch, it goes, you know, <laughs> Oh so my God. <laughs> I have to press, I have to do that. Every contest, I have to press that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's more. And then we yeah. can get into mute. I mean, the music question is the same thing. Well, the music question would be next. So, uh, and but and you've talked about the music a little bit with people who have come on. Uh, but it, it's a great, it's a great eclectic mix. It's fantastic, man. And we are we added some new shit yesterday. You know, we're we're down in Savannah, Georgia, for a week, and we had a long road trip. So Kim and I will go and listen to like newer music and see if there's things we want to add. Which, we don't add a lot because new music is generally horrible, especially new mm. hip hop music. We're hip hop people, and yep. you know, new hip, new hip hop, and this whatever you call it, trap music. You know, it's fucking terrible. Um, but there are things that, that we put on there. We also have individual playlists for each meet. So, you know, like there's five songs for chicken, five songs for ribs, five songs for pork, five songs for brisket. And we'll switch those around a lot and, or not a lot, but if something brings you back a good memory of when you did really well at a contest and it just fills you up with joy, I will do anything to recreate that feeling because it gives me confidence whenever I go into the cook. So when chicken, it's time to start getting chicken ready, man. Notorious B.I.G. Juicy comes on. It's go time, brother. This podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to barbecuedata.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on barbecuedata.com. What do you think the biggest turning point has been since you started? For for Old Virginia Smoke? Yeah. I want to say that it was the 2000... Yeah, what year was that? 2015 National Barbecue Cup in Cumming, Georgia. We had been doing well, and we had a really good year that year, and we decided to go down to Georgia and cook this contest at the end of the year. 
and we get there and in the Kansas City Barbecue Society, it was one of the last events that would give you points for team of the year. And so all of the big hitters from all around the country were done, or most of them were. Uh, one that wasn't, I don't think Travis came. Travis was cooking somewhere else. Travis Clark with Clark Crew. He was in the lead, and he had a double contest, I think, closer to home. So he didn't come down. And uh, this is actually kind of how I met Travis. So we get there, and we're kind of dumbstruck, you know, looking around at all these barbecue superstars. And like, yeah, this will be fun, you know. And our friend Rick Hamilton came down. At that time, it was the first time that he said he called me up out of the blue and said, I'd like to come cook with you. And we had no idea why or anything. So <laughs> he, drove, he drove down to Georgia and he did all the dishes and tasted the food. And we had a really good cook. And it turns out that the two organizers had to, after the judging was done, they drove around to come and find out who this team had won, who they were, because they didn't know who Old Virginia Smoke was. They never heard of us. <laughs> it was a really cool award ceremony. And we 180 brisket that day. I think that was our first brisket 180. And I just remember being up there on that stage and they called uh, they called Andrew Rasmussen for RGC and Kim and I were just like, holy shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we had all these massive trophies that we had to get back to the car and I'm sitting there by myself. I mean, these were all world uh, wood carved pigs with a chainsaw. And they all weighed probably 75, 80 pounds. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, <laughs> I'm by myself. Everyone's left. Kim's gone back to the truck to get the truck so we can load these things. And I'm just sitting there by myself going, you just did something pretty cool. And uh, got a message from Travis who would go on to win team of the year that year and said, Thanks for stopping all those guys down there. I'm not sure who you are, but good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, you helped them out. <laughs> yeah. And that was, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was the beginning of a lot of things. People knew who we were then. Uh, Rick had started cooking with us. He now cooks with us regularly and always comes to all our classes and helps. He's become one of my best friends. And yeah, that contest has to be pretty much the one that really changed things for us. Now, Luke, we've talked a lot about successes, but what about failures? <laughs> How has a failure during a competition set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure? <laughs> I hate you. I've been waiting for this one, haven't <laughs> And the hard part about this one is that Kim will listen to this and I'll just watch her mood turn dark. <laughs> we were we were in Galax, Virginia, and it was it was a Friday and we had just made friends with this team called Serial Grillers. They're a Memphis Barbecue Network team out of Mississippi, I think. And they were sponsored by Dizzy Pig as we were at the time and we were part next to each other. We were having a great time really too good of a time and I forgot to put the chicken into the brain. So my solution in the morning when I woke up with a hangover was it's fine. I'll just inject this brine into the chicken. So I did. Mm. we ended up getting three pretty high calls 
in ribs, pork, and brisket, and finished last in chicken and finished 11th overall. <laughs> had we, oh, had, man. <laughs> had we finished 15th overall, we would have won the contest. Oh. So it was after that contest that Kim came up with her her Luke rules for a barbecue contest. There would be no more getting drunk on Fridays. I would be allowed three drinks on a Friday and no cheating or going getting like a big golf or whatever. Um, right. Three drinks in bed by nine. Don't have to go to sleep, but you have to be in the rack by nine and no drinks till after tournaments. And those rules have been in place and mostly followed. Now, if she's not at a contest on a Friday, sometimes, you know, I'll be an idiot, but I know my boundaries and know what I can do and still be successful. So, yeah, that, that instituted what the, the little general's rules of engagement for being in a contest. So you could say that it was, uh, it's not a favorite thing of mine to even talk about because it gets, just puts her in a bad mood for the rest of the day. But yeah, that, that, that was a big change in our whole operating procedure. <laughs> <laughs> um we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the the purchase of a hundred dollars or less in a second but mm-hmm. first you know money let's not put a restriction on money what what do you what gadget or what what did you what purchase has really um been a benefit for you and something that you think is is worth the investment i'm gonna go with a blanket answer of cookers and I would love to say that it was one specific cooker, but it's not. We started out on Weber Smoky Mountains, which I think is a great starter cooker. It's a great way to learn barbecue, a great way to learn competition barbecue. And where I'm going with this is I'm going to give you a timeline of everything that I've cooked on. But I think that that all of those investments sure i could sit here and say i wish i'd just saved my money and bought a jambo offset in the beginning because that's what i cook on now but i don't think that i would be as good of a cook as i am now had i not went through all this and started on weber smoky mountains and then switched to backwoods cookers which is a cabinet smoker with a water pan and then switching from the backwoods and going to an offset cooker to jambo and then incorporating gateway drums into that it's a big sense of pride for me that I can cook a barbecue contest on any of those things. And I wouldn't have a problem doing it on any of those things. And I just think being, finding a cooker that you love, finding a cooker that you know, and you're going to go through some money and you're going to buy different shit. And it's, it's fine. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I wish, I wish I could say that I, I would just start with the one, but, I don't think I would be as well-rounded of a cook as I am had I done that. All right. Thank you for asking that question. I've been wanting to answer that question for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Switching it over to the $100 or less question, what have you bought that has been uh, a must-buy or positively has impacted your barbecue career? And, of course, you can't say Thermopen. No, this is a, I just heard your cat, by the way. Yeah, that was Tommy. He's saying hello. Good morning, Thomas. (laughs) So, wow. 
a lot of this is stuff that I've learned from other people and learned from this podcast. Really, it, it makes things better. The butter cutter. The butter cutter is a life changer. I love showing people the butter cutter, showing people the butter cutter class. I think eight people bought them right there on the spot on Amazon. Uh, it's this, it's thing, this thing's with these wires and it slices a stick of butter perfectly and you don't have to sit there with a knife and embarrass yourself like I did. The roll of freezer paper that we keep on the countertop that we pull out, put the freezer paper down, do whatever we're going to do on the counter, ball it up, throw it away. You just save so much time in cleanup. The wire racks that we, the wire baking cooling racks that we cook our chicken on. A lot of people have moved to pizza screens. I love the wire chicken rack one. I don't want to use a pizza screen and throw it away every two cooks. The wire rack just really, it keeps the chicken off the grate and it's just easy to move it around. I love that. Uh, my sprayer. A lot of people used to or do run an orange like gardening sprayer. I, I found a white one. That I could put a blue sticker on, <laughs> so that's everything. <laughs> everything like that is important to me. Colors are everything. Things got to be blue. It's the only reason I have a J three, a Jambo J three, is because Kim told me I couldn't buy one, and I told her it was blue, and she said bye. Uh, other things under a hundred dollars. A really good Bluetooth speaker is, is your friend, especially if you love to cook with music. Don't buy a cheap one that's just going to fail if it gets wet. Or whatever, you can get very, very good equipment for under a hundred bucks that will keep your tunes going for you. The cotton gloves that you put under nitrile or under your uh, your nitrile gloves or your latex gloves that protect your hands allows you to touch anything and not burn yourself. The best to tools that you have in your trailer are your hands, and you have to protect them. Uh, a lot of people reference knives. I think that yeah. we're at the point where we all have have pretty good knives. Uh, some people still use an electric knife. Pansies, come on, get a knife, slice your meat. <laughs> I say that with love to all you people that'll bitch at me about this later. But come on, we're supposed to be we're supposed we're doing America's second art form next to the blues. We're we're cooking barbecue. This is something we need to do. But a good knife sharpening <laughs> system is also important, keeping your knife sharp, uh, even if it's just a hone, to hone your knives before you use them. What else? There's got to be more. I'll think about it. But there's got to be. There's a lot of different things, man. Like, it's, it's so uh, <laughs> My favorite tool for cleaning out the firebox of the Jambo is an old license plate. Really? It just it just makes great scraper. Great scraping yeah. the ash out of there. You can get into the corners with it. And it's just extremely efficient. And I I love it. And also my water pan that I run in the jambo is just a a little jelly roll sheet pan. It has a low profile, it doesn't disrupt the airflow of the cooker. And I love it. I can I keep one in every cooker that I have and I keep one in, in my truck in case something happens. <laughs> all right you've uh had a chance to talk to a lot of really cool people over the last few years some of them certainly were people that you've met 
recently. Others are people that you've known since kind of day one. And I'd imagine quite a few of them are some of the major mentors in your life as well. So who has impacted your life the most when it comes to competition barbecue? Man, we might need to split this up into two parts. <laughs> There's so many people um, yeah. that have just been amazing to me and extremely helpful to me in the beginning. Chris Hart from IQ uh, taught my first class and he really opened my eyes to a lot of tips and tricks and flavors and stuff that I, there was this whole world of competition barbecue that I didn't know about. Another person who opened up flavors and stuff like that for me was Chris Capel with Dizzy Pig. Uh, he taught my second class. Those two were in the beginning were very, very, very instrumental in my development. As we move forward, there's, there's so many people, dude, that, you know, uh, Darren Wharf of Iowa Smoky D's, who's taught me more about barbecue than I'll ever know, taught me how to cook on the Jambo. It's uh, taught me more about the barbecue business than anybody in the world. And he just has, he's just this, he's an amazing person. He really is. And he's always there. Uh, to answer any questions I have. Most recently, Joe Pierce, just with slaps, just one of my best friends. He's great to bounce stuff off of. He has a lot of great ideas and he's, he's on top of the game. He's, uh, and he's just a genuinely one of the nicest people in barbecue, but he's also taught me a lot. Another person would be Tim Shear from, uh, Blue Song. Just, you know, just his, the way he approaches barbecue and the way he approaches, approaches flavors and, and has really taught me a lot in terms of making sure that your meat scores immediately and also to never give up on a piece of meat. That's something he said on this podcast and something that I stole and said on television. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Don't ever give up. There's always something you can do to make it better. And that's something I learned from Timmy. And I mean, I could go on forever, dude. Yeah. The, The amount of people that, that have taught me it, it's, it's, and I try to give it back. You know, I try and be there for others and be a mentor to others. So, who are you important. most surprised that? Who are you most surprised that you were able to get on to the podcast to interview? <laughs> Johnny Trick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how in the hell is this old man going to get on Zoom? Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know, like, if this is going to work. And and so Zoom makes that easy. There's a one-click button that puts in all the codes and everything. And he got on there, and that was probably one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Johnny and I spend a lot of time together, and uh, we're pretty good friends. I got to watch two basketball games with him in Kansas City, sitting right beside him. And, man, I geeked out the whole time. It was it was a lot of fun. He's just—he's so funny. He's so funny. He's so mean. <laughs> it's all an act. He—he's the nicest guy in the world. 
Uh, how do you relate to your gut feelings when you're cooking? Man, you're diving deep in the question list. Oh, yeah. That is something that I've started paying attention to a lot more. I started out being more of a process and timeline cook because once I learned from others, what I what I needed to do, I did. I wanted to stay true to that, and not fucking up, right? But then, as you get better, and as you cook more meat, you can sense when things are progressing differently, and you have to use all of your senses. This could be a smell coming from your pit. This could be when you put the thermopen into the piece of meat, and you feel something, and you're like, ooh. You know, we're we're not, we shouldn't be here yet, but we are. So you have to, you have to listen to all of your senses. And I'm, I mean, your eyes, if you see liquid starting to come out of the top of that brisket, it's pretty close to wrapping. If you see that your ribs are getting dry, maybe it's time to add the parquet. Your ears, hearing like something sizzling or (laughs) just feeling the wind change. If you're cooking on an offset, you have to be cognizant of that. But I think one of those senses is also when something's rumbling in the pit of your stomach and it's like, hey, you should go check this or you should you should spritz this or you should think about pulling this or checking it. You need to do it. You, there's a reason that, that that shit is happening and you have to rely on everything. You can't just cook to a number. You have to rely on the feel and the smell and the taste and all of that has to factor in and you can't let it slip. You have to stay true to what you're feeling, what you're seeing and what your gut tells you and you'll be better off for it. How do you learn to trust those instincts though? <laughs> Repetition, my brother. Repetition. Yeah. Uh, you know this because you cook a lot on your tracker. And true or false, the more you do it, the better your meat comes out. Right? Of course. Yeah. And it's repetition. It's cooking chicken a thousand times. It's cooking a meat every weekend during the off season and pulling it when you think it's done, but then pulling it at a higher temperature and seeing what the difference is. Pulling it at a lower temperature and seeing what the difference is. Cooking at a higher temperature and seeing what the seeing if the texture changes, moving the meat around in different places in the pit. It's all experience and it's all practice and it's all repetition. And you would be amazed at where you can put, for example, your brisket in a in an offset and the difference in texture of a bite that you'll get. It's unbelievable. Now, I'm sure there's some sort of scientific thermodynamic answer to this, but I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I have an English degree. But experimenting with that stuff and and figuring out what works best for what you're running in your program. All right. I think this is a good place to stop because we have way more questions to go. We're like an hour in and I mean, gosh, we have we're just peeling 
we're just peeling the first layer right now, my friend. So long way to go here. Let's, let's, let's call this part one. We'll give you part two after the holiday or after Christmas. And, and, you know, so we'll have extra, extra Luke for, for Christmas. Onions, <laughs> onions have layers. And so do ogres. that's right. Ogres have layers. <laughs> that's good. But uh, no, thanks, man. Thank you for the, the role. It's been a lot of fun and I will, uh, I will, I will look forward to getting you ready to rock here tomorrow or not tomorrow. Right. Getting you ready to rock next week after Christmas. Yes, sir. Uh, part two. We'll do it. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll talk to you. Yes, uh, everybody have a safe one. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke YouTube channel as well. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2022. Old Virginia.